Jan Price talks to the movers and shakers in the film business. The Jan Price Show, all about movies. You're listening to The Jam Price Show, and today my guest is producer-director Amir Amirani. And we're going to be talking about its brand-new documentary entitled We Are Many, which is the never-but-forced-told story of the largest demonstration in human history and how the movement created a small band of activists that changed the world. Welcome to the show, Amir. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be with you. Oh, it's a pleasure to have you on the show. I, I, this documentary is so timely and it's so well done. Um, you tell me what sparked your interest in doing this and let's tell the audience a little bit about what that largest demonstration was Absolutely. and when it happened. So the demonstration happened on the 15th of February, 2003, which was a Saturday, and it was against the Iraq war. And what was interesting about it was that it was the first global demonstration and the first demonstration before a war started to try and uh, stop it from happening. And, you know, for me, I was in Berlin in the week before the Berlin Film Festival. I'd actually been selected to make a short uh, film there. <laughs> and incredibly, I was, uh, I, I was filming with Dennis Hopper and Vim Vendors and my film, oh, wow. the whole thing finished. And I was thinking, um, and I knew the protest was in the air. I was thinking, okay, you know, should I go back to London or should I be in Berlin? Uh, and I thought, you know, well, I'm, look, I'm here. Let me just go here. And, um, you know, it was, it was spectacular. I think it was the, probably my first real protest and it was huge. You know, I think it was half a million people. Anyway, it was amazing. I went back to London, but, but when I got back to London, it was really interesting was so many of my friends who I never had down as being protesters were talking in such excited terms saying, Oh God, Amir, you have no idea what you missed. You know, it was enormous, you know, here. And I thought, wow, this is unusual. And then I felt, huh, I'm so sad. I missed it in London. And both, that feeling of feeling sorry I missed it and seeing my friends' reactions in, in ways that I didn't expect made me think there is something going on here with this story. And I kept coming back to it and so scratching my head and reading about it and researching it, discovering that, wait a minute, it wasn't just London. It wasn't just Berlin. It was worldwide. And lo and behold, it was the biggest protest in history. And a light bulb went across over my head and I thought, that's a story. How does the biggest protest in history happen? And moreover, what does it mean when something like that happens? And I knew that at that point that I had to make a film about it. It, it. it just seemed like a gift of a story as a filmmaker. And then at the back of my mind was another factor, which was this story needs to be told. It's not that I want to make it. It's also that I need to make it, or rather it needs to be told because history needs to record this moment. Yes. And, you know, what's interesting is um, it has spawned, uh, as you also talk about and show in your film, uh, many other protests throughout uh, the last 17 years that have gotten bigger and stronger uh, over that time period. Um, you wanted this film to be finished before the 10th anniversary. And so talk a, bit, a little bit about that and why that ended up being a blessing that it wasn't completed at that point yes. in time. Absolutely. You know, um, 
the film industry well, and all sorts of the, kind of the media love anniversaries. So I was thinking, okay, um, when I started making the film in 2006, I thought, okay, well, you know, we've got time to get it, you know, ready for the 10th anniversary. Um, but, you know, when I started and I researched it for about four years between 2006 and 10, and I was still trying to do other work while I was researching it. And then finally I thought, okay, I've, I've found enough. Let me go try to uh, raise funds. Now, previously I'd made films for the BBC and Channel 4, and I thought, okay, well, if I've done most of my work for the BBC, that they might be interested in this. But, you know, I, I didn't get any uh, any kind of love from, <laughs> from them. No funding whatsoever. I tried Sundance. I tried the Ford Foundation. I tried the British Film Institute. I mean, you name it, I tried it. And uh, I couldn't get any anywhere. And, you know, Kickstarter was just coming in. And I thought, well, what, what do I have to lose? I'll try it. And in 2011, I started a campaign on it. And long story short, you know, we did raise some money, got some amazing people involved. Um, yes. Richard O'Brien, who was the creator of the Rocky Horror Show, put some money in. The co-inventor of Google Maps, Jens Rasmussen, put some money in. Uh, the uh, comedian and actor, um, Omid Jalili in the UK, who's been in The Gladiator and The Mummy and so on. Anyway, they, they came involved. It wasn't much, but it was enough to get started. And then more money came in. So we thought, okay, let's go. Let's, let's try and reach 2013, the 10th anniversary. But, you know, uh, the, the anniversary came and we didn't have enough money to finish. Um, and so I was kind of, you know, downhearted. And I was, you know, we had to down tools. I had to think, how do I, where do I go to raise more money? And, you know, as we were doing that, the whole story of Syria unfolded it was unfolding on the tv screens and um i remember one night i was watching it on television and um they announced that there was going to be a demonstration um you know and i thought uh, i thought i've got to i've got to go to that and as it happens in the intervening period um the british parliament voted against going into war in syria followed immediately literally by the Obama administration saying, we're going to throw it to Congress. And Congress said no. And that became the bookend. So, you know, it was fortunate in a way that we missed our deadline because it meant the film had a resolution. And the reason it had a resolution and came full circle was because in the British Parliament, MPs stood up and said, because of what happened in 2003, because we cannot go to our voters again after what happened in 2003 we're not going to vote to approve this this war and so there was a connection between the popular you know protests against the iraq war and what happened in 2013 and that gave me fortunately the the ending of that film so sometimes you know things that you think are going to be mm -hmm. bad turn out to be good exactly that's why i said it was a full it's like a full circle moment and it did it gave you a wonderful ending because I'll be honest, I marched in that march in 2003. Wow. Nice. Uh, so I was one of the people. That's why I was very interested in, in your film. I'll tell you a quick funny story. I was yeah. living in Salt Lake City at the time, and we had marched from our um, city hall to our state capitol. And my sign that I had was of a young Iraqi girl, a little chi a child, mm -hmm. carrying, you know, with the head headdress on, carrying like her food in, in the top of her, you know, of her headdress. And um, after the march, and there were quite a few people. I mean, Salt, Salt Lake is very conservative, as you may or may not know. 
And after the march, my girlfriend and I decided to go get something to eat. So we went to one of the downtown malls and I had my sign and I just had it next to my body. I didn't, I wasn't raising it or anything. I was just walking through this mall and right. a, secu- a security guard came up to me and said, I'm sorry, but your sign is offending me. Whoa. And I looked at him and I said, what? <laughs> he says, your <laughs> sign's offending me. I said, it's just a little girl. I'm not doing anything with it. He says, well, uh, please turn it around. So, okay. So I complied. And then we walked through the rest of the mall. We went over to the food court. And the more I thought about it, the more upset I became about it. And so did my girlfriend. And I said, you know, this is my, um, and you know, my right of free speech to, you know, to have this sign here. So I turned it around and again, didn't raise it or anything. He came back and he, you know, he kind of like followed us and he came back and he said, uh, you know, he started getting in an argument with me and other people started to get involved. And there was a young uh, law student who came in and, and we all, you know, everybody was saying, Hey, you know, this is her right to have the sign. He called the police. Eight SWAT team men. Eight. Eight. Two women, no guns, no anything, just a sign came. And I was, I was just, I I was, I mean, again, I was not upset about it. I was just strong about it. So anyhow, they decided to escort us out so we could never come back there. And I had what I called my Norma Ray moment because Uh as they're marching us out, I took my sign and I raised it really high for everybody to see. And people were applauding and cheering. As we were going out of the, the building, but it, it just shows you how much tension there was around oh this gosh. issue. <laughs> you know, and never, go ahead. Had you ever experienced anything like that before? Never, never. Yeah. And I have marched in other marches, you know, too. I mean, I, you know, we, I, I hate to say this age me, but the Vietnam War, you know, we marched uh, for that and at yeah. Kent State uh, yeah. during the years and, oh, and whatnot. Yes. Uh, so there was, you know, I've, I, certainly the women's movement and the women's march and everything afterwards, but that was just blew me away. I left Salt Lake about, uh, that was like in February. I left in early November. It was time. I said, yeah, it's time to leave this city, but it's, it was interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they banned us from ever going there, but my girlfriend, she wanted to get, get it in the paper and, and all of that. <laughs> but, so it was, you know, it was a very interesting, uh, time, but you know, you I know, think everybody, ama- go ahead. Oh, no, I, I, sorry. I, I, it just reminds me of what Ron Kovic said to me. And I don't think I really had understood the, uh, the atmosphere in America at the time when he said that, you know, anyone who questioned the rush to war was sort of seen as a traitor so that you had to almost, um, you know, it was scary that, that people, you know, that to, to speak out was 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 very scary and, and i think he says that in the in the film now i you know i didn't experience that here i mean um but uh, of course you know in, in america it was the country that had you know uh, been affected and suffered from from 9-11 so there was obviously a qualitative difference but i hadn't really um understood it and and now hearing your story just really brings it home you know what the kind of atmosphere and the tensions were they really were, and they're as they are today too. Well, the other interesting thing is too, and and again, your 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 documentary doesn't get into this, but we in America, we knew when before Bush was elected that he was going to get us into a war. We were told that. I mean, it was yeah. that was out there in the public domain that he was going to go finish his father's war, the Gulf yeah. War. 
And um, so we knew that. So when 9-11 happened, it just gave him the excuse to go forward. And of course, there was all this, you know, patriotism and everything that was going on in our country and around the world. And but we were still against this war because we knew that Iraq didn't have anything really to do with it. And um, and so I guess like your film and that's why the bookend is so good about the vote against you know the war in syria is that so many people felt and this is what you also express in your film you know all of that i mean it was great to see the world stand up against it but Mm -hmm. people felt it didn't change anything because tony blair and bush went ahead and you know here we are still to this day you know in a war that nobody is in favor of and look at all the devastation and the millions of people that have been killed because of it so to see that um i mean i used to like tony blair we all did until this you know um uh and then we all changed our minds about him uh too but i think that the vote against the war in syria really is the perfect way for you to have ended this film so as i said it was a blessing that you weren't able to finish it uh on the anniversary of this worldwide march you had you, you've you interviewed some amazing, fascinating people. Um, you t- you mentioned Ron Ron Kovic, um, and for those who may not remember, he is the author of Born on the Fourth of July, uh, which Tom Cruise portrayed him in in this one that wonderful movie. Um, but you have many other people, John Leclerc, who who he marched in it. He did. And, and you so know, talk, talk about that. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's a fa- it's a really fascinating story because um, I remember one day coming across um, an, an article that said uh, John Le Carre had been on this protest, and he he talked about it with a kind of passion that was you know extraordinary. And I think there was even a clip on Democracy Now, like a short clip or something. I, I I don't recall who he gave the interview to, but I just recall it was him and what he said. And I I'd actually finished a version of the film and I I uh, for for the festivals, but you know, before it was into in, in actual theaters. And I wrote to John Le Carre by sheer coincidence somebody I knew was uh, related. And I wrote a handwritten letter um, to him and said, you know, oh, by the way, the background to this is that he had given a, a, an interview on Channel 4 News here, one of the leading cha- uh, news uh, programs, saying, I will never again give another interview, filmed interview. So knowing that, I still wrote to him saying, I know you have said this. I'm a great admirer of you and your work. You know, I've made this film you know, about which you spoke so passionately in a previous article, would you look at the film that I've cut and would you consider an interview? So, you know, I was really going into something where I thought, you know, how am I going to do this? Um, he wrote back and he said, you know, um, send me send me something to look at. Um, and long story short is this went back and forth in a written correspondence for about a year. And, and finally, he said, I will give you an interview as long as I can see how you use it in the film to give consent. Mm. And, you know, I went down, uh, he lives in this amazing place in Cornwall and we filmed the interview, which just was scintillating. And I came back, I edited it into the film. I I took it round to him at his home in London. And then the same afternoon he wrote back in an email and he said, 
thank you, I've watched the film. And then this, you know, I got a little moment of, um, he said, um, like everybody else in the film, I'm sure I'm proud to be in such a fine film. Mm. And I thought, wow, that's, that's high praise coming from John le Carre. Yes. Um, and, um, you know, hopefully people will watch the film and see it. And I think what's really interesting about it is that, you know, generally with protests, we think that it's the usual suspects. It's, you know, activists. It's certain kinds of, you know, like, you know, pejoratively, you know, hippies and things. And what was interesting was that someone like John le Carre, who was a spy, who was part of the intelligence services, you know, one of the greatest um, thriller spy writers in the world. And actually when you, you know, he's a, he's a fine, fine man. Um, mm -hmm. He was on the protest like so many other people. It cut across all kinds of demographics and all walks of life. You know, this was, this was a unique event that brought in the whole world were opposed to this, this, this outrageous war. And he symbolized in a way, um, how unusual this protest was. And I was so glad to, to have him in the film. Oh, yes. And he's absolutely wonderful in the film, as is everyone. This film is so well done, Amir. It really is. It's beautifully uh, put together, um, the way you have edited it and all of the uh, interviews that you were able to incorporate in this, um, in all this great footage to you of Jesse Jackson uh, in this film, Danny Glover, uh, Ken Loach, um, you know, even uh, Mark Oscar, yeah, I was gonna say Oscar winning actor Mark Rylance. Talk a little, yeah, let's talk about some of the people that you did because you've got Dr. Hans Blix, who's a former UN uh, weapons inspector. Uh, you've got the, oh, you've got all kinds of wonderful people um, in this film. Talk a little bit about how you attracted other, the other people that came to speak in this film. Who yeah. actually marched too? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, it was um, each one had a different story. Would you, you know? So I'll tell you that I interviewed a hundred and ten people in seven countries around the world. Wow! And fifty, fifty-four of them, fifty-six of them are in the film. Now, you know, ordinarily when you watch a documentary, it's, some, it's usually about a single person or it might be a handful of people. You know, at, at the most, you might get, you know, 15, 20 people. And that's regarded as a lot. Um, and there's 56 in this film. And, and, and I, I'd, I'd like to think that when you watch it, it doesn't feel that way. Um, and I knew... No, it, it doesn't. And you just you saying that there's 56 people that you interviewed, uh, sort of, I'm sort of surprised because it doesn't feel that way. <laughs> Right, yeah, yes. you know, and um, and you know, it it uh, so each one has a different sort of story. Uh, I knew only one person when I started. It was the the politician here, Tony Benn, who I'd interviewed a couple of times before for the BBC. So I had to find each one of those people, and um, you know, each one has a you know different fascinating story. So with Mark Rylance, you know, um, I, I had a little. Uh, tiny kind of like cut of the film um and it was being shown in trafalgar square by one of the uh, peace groups and i was there and and I, you know i looked to the side and there's mark rylance and and um and afterwards i went up to him and i said uh, you know mark um you know I, I i'm making a film about february 15th 2003 and i'd really like to interview you for it and he said hang on did you were you the guy who'd done that clip that i just saw 
And I said, yeah, he said, he said, I watched that and I was weeping. And I said, oh yeah. gosh, you know, I said, so, you know, he said, here's my details, contact me, we'll do the interview. And he was in the play Jerusalem at the time. So we went and filmed it in his, um, <laughs> in his dressing room. And, you know, he's one of the most charismatic uh, people I've ever met. Um, so, you know, there w- that was a story. And each story is kind of unique in that way, in terms of how I, how I got them um, to, to, you know, to, to talk. Um, like, there's a musician, Damon Albarn, from the band Gorillaz um, and Blur. Uh, I happened to have uh, to be in an office that I was given. Uh, and when I was looking for him, uh, I realized his office was about 100 meters down the same road. So I wrote a letter and hand-delivered it through the letterbox. And the next day, you know, his assistant emailed and said, Damon would like to do an interview about this. And I, I suppose the point is about all of them is that, you know, people hadn't wanted to talk to them and they were all eager to talk. Because why? Because most documentaries about Iraq had been largely about the protagonists of the the people who started the war, the politicians and and, and so on. Somehow the opposition to the war, whether they were high profile members of, you know, the kind of celebrities and so on or the public, just were overlooked in the way that they are normally because they're, you know, they're marginalized. It's like, well, they don't matter. The people who matter are the guys in suits and ties, you know. So when I went to talk to these people, I think they wanted to talk, but people hadn't asked them their, what they thought about mm. it. And, um, I, you know, and, and I was, yeah, I was sort of really struck by uh, how, how willing and open they were and how passionate they were. Um, and, and we need more stories like that from people, you know, like that. Yes, we do. Yeah, yeah. And it is an interesting perspective that you chose to do this the way that you did. What are you, Going forward, because you do talk a little bit about, not really, not so much in the film, but, um, you know, about like Black Lives Matter. This, this year has been, you know, uh, a, 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 a big year for protests. I don't know. In your country, um, I know there's an issue there, but not as... Uh, Systemic as ours, is that correct? With, with your, uh, yeah, it's interesting. Um, sorry, yeah, I mean, you know, the UK has uh, obviously a long history of empire and colonialism, and you know, it it, it may not be as visible uh, and blatant um, as it is in America, but it it is here. It is a serious, uh, you know, problem entrenched structural racism. Um, and so there have been protests here. There have been, you know, uh, widespread and, you know, the, it continues. Um, the discussion, the public discussion is, is ongoing. I, I think there's a long way to go, as there is, you know, in, in America. But definitely protest is, is in the air again. And, um, you know, what's interesting is that I came across in 2014 an interview that uh, Patrice Cullors, who was one of the three um, figureheads or founders of the Black Lives Matter movement and slogan. Uh, she was interviewed and they were asking her, what event or movement in your life inspired the work that you're doing? And she said, uh, the anti-war movement. And she said that it was her first protest. They were out on the streets every day. And I was really struck by that, that that was uh, an inspiration for her. And and I think, you know, the truth is, 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 that that's probably applies to 
millions of people around the world who were either energized by the 2003 protest or radicalized or politicized. And of course, some were demoralized. You know, they just thought, well, hang on, right. we've in these numbers and they still go ahead. What's the point of protesting? What's the point of, you know, going out if they ignore you? But I would argue when people see the film that, you know, you see the effects of something like that a long time down the road. It's not like throwing a light switch. You know, people protest, the war stops, or people protest, the politicians back down. But they have powerful effects uh, on people long time down the line. And people look and see this, oh, I'm not alone. Other people feel this way. And, and you know, and, and, and people get inspired who go on later in life to to build movements. So one of the people in the film in the UK, David Babs, went on the protest and was so uh, affected by the fact that it, it didn't succeed in stopping the war. He thought there has to be a better way. He then ended up founding an organization called 38 Degrees, which became, I think at the time, the biggest people-powered you know, organization. And they call it 38 Degrees because I think apparently that's the angle at which snow down a cliff becomes an avalanche. So that was an interesting metaphor. And, um, you know, I think there are many people like David Babs. There are many people like Patrice Cullors who, uh, and we, whose stories we probably don't know yet and will one day know. Um, you know, even the executive director of Move On today was a student. She received an email from Move On saying, you know, come out on this Iraq war protest. She went and, you know, it, it lit her up to see other people like her. And lo and behold, years later, she's the executive director of Move On. Her name is Rana Epstein. Amazing. And then, and I, 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 I'm sorry that our time is up, but it's been such a fascinating um, interview with you. And I want everybody to search out We Are Many. It's it's on uh, video on demand and digital. And it's highly, I highly, highly recommend it. Uh, it's a beautifully done film. It really is. And thank you, Amir, so much for being on the show. It's a pleasure. Thank you for, for having me. You're welcome. You can listen to The Jam Price Show whenever or wherever at thejampriceshow.com or on your favorite podcast network, iHeart Podcast Network, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play. And go to my Facebook page and like The Jam Price Show and follow us on Instagram and Twitter at The Jam Price Show. Thank you for listening. Jam Price talks to the movers and shakers in the film business. The Jam Price Show, all about movies. 